A little boy walked into class one morning and looked straight at his teacher and says, Mr. Wallace, I don't want to scare you, but my father told me that if my grades don't improve, someone's getting a spanking. <laughs> we obviously could tell that this boy didn't understand the disciplinary comments of his father. We can at least agree with that. But isn't that often the issue in uh, discipline? Uh, that father probably thought he did a wonderful job uh, as he gave his son the talk about good grades and being studious. Uh, and he probably gave himself a pat on the back, he popped his son on the shoulder, on the rear, talked, told him to go to school, be a good student, and not, under, not realizing at all that his kiddo didn't have the foggiest idea what his dad was really, really telling him. But that is the problem with discipline. Uh, even in our culture today, even in our homes today, we have to ask ourselves, uh, do we discipline in a way where our kids understand? And when they do understand, what are we helping them to understand? Because we have to understand as Christians that it's important and imperative that we comprehend the purpose of godly discipline. And it's so important because anyone who desires to correct their child in a way that nurtures their soul and tames their heart is the kind of parent who is going to train their child and discipline them child in a godly fashion, in a godly nature. Because that is our goal as parents. Uh, we do need to correct our children. We need to discipline them and train them in righteousness. But it has to be done this way, to nurture their soul and to tame their heart. It has to be both, both and not either or. They have souls that we need to nurture and that we need to help them understand their need for a savior. And the way we also understand, we will if we don't yet, the need uh, to tame the hearts of our children. Because there's a problem. If we don't understand the problem well, if we don't understand this problem from a biblical perspective, we're going to have a difficult time disciplining our children well. And I'll go as far to say you and I are going to have a hard time accepting the Lord's discipline in our own life. There's a lot of hurdles we got to jump over in our culture when it comes to parenting, when it comes to discipline. Who do we listen to? How much do we listen to them? Is this a good idea? Is that a bad idea? But we all know at least this much, that when it comes to discipline as parents, we never want to discourage our children by overcorrecting. Right? We, we don't want to do that. And a lot of times we err on the side of uh, not overcorrecting. But may, maybe even worse than overcorrecting our children is lacking discipline in our children in such a way that they would never understand how to respond to your correction or even God's correction. So you see how important the topic of discipline is scripturally and biblically, because if we don't help our children understand the nature and the purpose of discipline, not only would they not respond to your discipline, but they would never even respond to God's discipline. And so we have to, as adults, as parents in the room, even if you don't have kids yet, even for you to understand the purpose of God's discipline is so important if we're going to show the world what God means when he uses the word discipline. Now, when it comes to overcorrecting, it's literally what Paul is echoing in our verse for today. And if you will open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. You see, in verse 20 that we went over last week, we understood the admonition from Scripture for children to obey their parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Well, we understand if the call for parents, uh, it, or the, for the call to children to obey their parents, means that the, the parents have to then lay down some foundational groundwork and then provide lanes for their kiddos to walk in. And so the kids would then walk in this obedience. And then the parents, here specifically, the father's primary role in the disciplinary actions in their house, not that it is left to the father, it is both mom and dad's job to offer and provide instruction and discipline in the Lord. If you don't believe that, just read the Proverbs, it's everywhere. Uh, but here we do understand that a father has a specific role in the discipline of their children. And it needs to be done in a particular way. Because look at verse 21. Pastor Evan read it. I want to reread it as we jump in. Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. A quick exegetical look at this. Obviously, we're talking uh, to all 
both parents, mom and dad, but a specific slant to the father. You need to be able to discipline and train your children uh, in a way that doesn't provoke them or that is to not uh, over anger them or even to, as it says, become discouraged, which is just our uh, scripture's way of saying this. You don't need to take the wind out of the sails of your children by overcorrecting. And I love this because, you know, when some of us, depending on where you are on the spectrum, thinks the Bible's all about discipline and me no, me no discipline and, you know, stale parenting and stale relationship with God. And you have these other people over here say, no, it's just so free. It's all about love and just, do, you know, just do whatever you need to do. No, no, it's actually not either of those, okay? Uh, it's this, that God has a way in which he wants us to discipline our children that says something true about who God is, uh, and how God disciplines is not provoking people to anger, nor is he trying to discourage people. He's trying to do a simple thing, teach people what God expects out of them as people in our world and in our culture, especially when it comes to getting to know who God is. And so when God disciplines uh, all of us as children, he wants us to understand who he is and how we have in some way rebelled against who God is. Now, in our homes, it should work in an equal measure. We're not going to provoke our children unless they become discouraged. We are, in essence, trying to understand what God's word says about discipline so we can teach our children what God means when he talks about discipline. And the best way for you and I to have discipline in our homes is to look at Scripture, to look at God's Word, and understand what the goal is in the way that we discipline our children. Because we can at least say this, right? Our goal, at least uh, fundamentally, uh, when it comes to discipline, is to lead our children to something better, right? Wouldn't we all agree with that? When it comes to discipline, what we want to do is to lead our children to something better. Right? That's, that is the fundamental goal, very broad, but it is our goal. And if that is our goal, that's why we need to get to the bottom of the real problem of disobedience. Right? We've got to get to the problem if we're really going to know how to fix it and what measure it needs to be fixed. So to, to do that this morning, I want to turn you to Romans 3. You can put your finger in Colossians uh, 3 and flip over to Romans 3. I start in Romans 3 because we need to understand uh, as believers, as parents, uh, the necessity for godly discipline. We have to know it. And the problem uh, arises, especially as parents, but even as believers, if we don't have a good theology and theology and understanding of God, theosology, the study of God, trying to know who God is, if we don't understand who God is in contrast to who we are, we're never going to understand why God would use discipline, okay? And so that's what we're going to do this morning initially in Romans 3, 9 through 12. Romans 3, 9 through 12. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he says this, For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. Okay, so there is a fundamental truth of Scripture when it comes to theology of sin, our understanding of sin, that all, no matter who you are, are under sin. And yes, that includes uh, if you're 99 or 130, and if you have just been born yesterday, we are all under sin. As it is written in verse 10, none is righteous, no, not one. Would you be able to look at your child, your beautiful, wonderful, just awesome child, and look at that child and say, you are not a righteous child? Could you do that? Could you look at your child and say, do you know you're under sin? Could you, could you do that? Because that's what it means for a parent to have a right understanding, a right theology of sin in our world is to look at them and say, I love you. You're precious in my sight. I care about you so much, uh, but you're still under sin. And you're not righteous. No, not one. In verse 11, no one understands. No one seeks God. Verse 12, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Not even one. Go down a few more verses to verses 22 through 33. Same chapter, just go down a couple of verses, verses 22 and 23. Halfway through verse 22, it says this, For there is no distinction. So I'm not going to say this, this person sins more than this person, or this group sins more than this group. Here's the truth. There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Could we do that? Could we look, uh, you know, forget the kids for a moment. Can you look to your neighbor Look to your other neighbor and say, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, unless you're in conflict with your spouse. Don't do that right now. Okay. We'll deal with that later. All right. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
We have to start there because if you don't start there, parenting is not going to go well for you, uh, at least where your children may end up in 20 to 30 years. We got to make sure that we lay down a foundation that no one is righteous, not even one. That's a really good thing uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it sets the parameters for discipline in the home, right? I understand that my child will sin, right? We're on the same page there. All of our children will sin. It's going to happen, okay? So you don't ever set your child up for this need for perfection in their home uh, because we understand that everyone sins. We all fall short of the glory of God. But because we understand that sin is present and apparent, then we set up uh, foundations for discipline in our home because we know these things are going to come up. You see, bad discipline in, the, in our home is when we don't ever think about how we ought to discipline our children. We just kind of go at it off from the seat of our pants, fly by the seat of our pants. There's the word, okay? Uh, we can't do that. We need to understand the problem uh, we find ever since Genesis 3, okay? And we see it all throughout Scripture, and it enters its way into our home, both in my personal life, my spouse's life, and our children's life, and anybody else who enters into our home. We understand that all have fallen short of the glory of God because we have sinned, and so we're all under sin. And so we see the need for godly discipline because we've all uh, have turned away from God. No one seeks God, and there is no one who is good, not even one, not even junior, sometimes especially not junior. But what is the biblical solution? What are we going to do? What, what does the Bible teach us uh, when it comes to, okay, we have this problem, but there is a solution to these things, okay? Jot down two scriptures. The first one, you have to flip to it, just jot it down. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, Paul talks to young Timothy, and he says this, God our Savior, the end of verse 3, he desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This should shade and frame and undergird your parenting in your home that this simple fact is that God, who is our Savior, desires that all people, including Junior, come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, this is where discipline begins coming into the picture because I understand that there is a truth to be told and a knowledge that needs to be obtained to get to that truth, okay? Now you may see where discipline kind of falls off in our culture because of this idea of truth and objective truth. And if we don't know objective truth, well, I can't discipline junior because we don't know what the truth is. Okay, false. Okay, we do know the truth. Okay, it's right here. And to be saved, we have to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so in my home, I'm going to set up a biblical understanding of truth so that I will be able to help my child understand the knowledge of God's truth. And that comes in so many forms in the word discipline. Okay, so there is a biblical solution, the foundation of it. God wants to see all people saved. So I've got to figure out as a disciplinarian in my home, how can I discipline my child where I usher them along the path of wisdom and knowledge according to God's word so that at some point when God desires to open their eyes and turn them from sin and have them trust in him, they'll know what it means. And they'll know what a loving father wants for them, and they want them to be saved. See, that's where discipline uh, finds its beginnings in the Christian home. A desire for your child to know the truth and to walk in the truth. Unfortunately, in so many of our homes, there isn't an understanding of uh, objective propositional truth. And so we never allow our children to walk in objective propositional truth because we tell them there is no truth. And if there is no truth, there's no need for obedience and there is no grounds for discipline. But yet we look at scripture and we see that God's wrath is going to be poured out on all ungodliness. So we see that either, either there is or there isn't. And there's a big chasm in between objective truth and subjective truth. And if there's objective truth, then there's consequences for disobedience. And that's what the Bible teaches. So we have to understand that we got to do our best as loving parents to teach them what God expects when it comes to the knowledge of the truth that saves. Now, let's dive in more into the specific realm of parenting. Flip over to the next book, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. I won't make you flip to all of these verses that I have here, but I need you to flip to these so we get a good foundation as we move forward. 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. Again, Paul's talking to young Timothy. But as for you, young Timothy, I want you to continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So again, we have the expectation that young Timothy has uh, been raised in a home where Scripture has been poured out over his life. And we know by who? 
right? We know it's by Eunice and Lois, Mama, Mama Lois, Grandmother Eunice, or is it backwards? One of those, okay. Gra- Mama and Grandma have been pouring out the sacred writings to young Timothy, and so from his earliest childhood, he can remember, here's what God's Word says when it comes to right and wrong. Here's what God says, God's Word says when it comes to our need for a Savior and our disposition of sin, how I'm born into sin. Uh, we see here the need to, for our own children, acquaint them with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And so what we're saying uh, through Scripture is that in our discipline for our kiddos, there needs to be a understanding, a beginning of saying, my goal in discipline is to help my child open their eyes to their need for Jesus. Okay, we can start there. Okay, and their need to respond to discipline. Their need to respond to the fact that we're sinners and we need to turn from our sin and we need to go the direction that God teaches us to go. There's a lot of responsibility on you as a parent here to also understand that you have to teach that to your child. Okay, they can't turn from something they don't know to turn from, and they can't turn to something that they don't know about. So you as a parent have to also look at Scripture and say, you got to know the Bible, friend. If you want your children to walk in obedience to God, you're going to have to teach them, and it's your job to open up Scripture and teach it to them and make them wise unto salvation, to acquaint them with the sacred writings from childhood. I know you, you walked in, you're going to walk out of here with a lot of work to do. Well, welcome to the, the club, okay? This is all of us. We have a lot of work to do because what we want to do is train our children to come to know Christ. And so we see the problem is sin, the answer is Jesus, and that all comes into its culmination, at least in my dynamics with my children, that as God desires to uh, lead people to himself, and it happens through discipline, and we'll get that later towards the end of the sermon, it's also imperative that as parents, we do this, and it's point number one, that we tame the hearts of your rebellious children. Point number one, write it down. If you're taking notes, I want you to take notes. You should be writing. You need to take this stuff with you when you go. All right. We cannot hide the fact that our children have wayward hearts, but instead we need to commit to taming the hearts of our rebellious children. Now, no, that's hard, isn't it? To look at that cute little bundle and just say, you're wild and sinful, okay? I know, but you got to do it. I mean, if you don't do it, you're, you're not going to set them up for uh, success in the realms of understanding God. The, the fundamental truth that we all have to understand when, it, when we look at God is God is the creator who's created the universe, the heavens and the earth, right? Uh, and since he created everything, he's the boss. And if he's the boss, then what he says goes, And I mean, I like it, but he's the boss, right? And he created everything, and he's perfect. He's holy. He's set apart. And for us to be in his presence, we have to be holy and set apart. And God has got this perfect justice, and in God's perfect justice, he's going to say, you can't come into my presence unless you are also perfect. That's bad news, isn't it? Do we ever teach our children those things? Okay. But we also have a gracious, loving God who has created a way for us to get into the perfect holiness of God, and it is through Christ. Okay, And Christ suffered for our disobedience. Okay, you see what I'm saying here? Your parenting has everything to do with the gospel. Isn't that good news? You can preach the gospel to your kiddo every day. Every, I've had people tell me, I don't know how to preach the gospel to my child. Yes, you do. Every single time they, they do something they're not supposed to, open up the Bible and say, this is why the wrath of God is coming on the world, and this is why Jesus came to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst, according to Paul. We get to be a part of that. And if you can't get passionate about that, I don't know what to do with you this morning, okay? <laughs> You should get excited about that. You should be okay, and even you should be, you could say, my child has a rebellious heart, okay? And you also should say, I have a rebellious heart, me, but you too, okay? I want to prove that. Go to, uh, I tell you you're not going to every scripture, but you're going to a lot of them. Jeremiah 5, all right? And if you don't want to flip to it, jot it down, I'll read it to you. Jeremiah 5, 23 through 25. Jeremiah 5, 23 through 25. Here's the state of the world. In verse 23, but this people, they have become a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and they have gone away. They do not say in their hearts, let us fear the Lord our God, who gives the rain in its season, the autumn rain and the spring rain, and keeps us uh, for us weeks appointed for the harvest. But your iniquities have turned these away and your sins have kept good from you. And can we not as loving parents, tell them the truth about their rebellious hearts, that their rebellious hearts uh, is, is sinful, 
and their sin has turned them away from the God who desires to see them saved. You see the importance of discipline in our home? We're getting there, right? It's so important that we teach them and we have a real hands-on responsibility to show our children the way to the Lord. And the way to the Lord isn't hands-off, I'm never going to discipline my child. It's I've got to help my child understand their proclivities to rebellion against a holy, perfect God. And I can do that starting at a young age so that they see it and are made wise to it as they get older. And I know there's a lot of application. There's a lot of, okay, what about this? What about this? Well, at least start here, okay? What I'm not trying to do is to try to control my children's adolescent tendencies, okay? You hear what I'm saying? My goal isn't to just try to control every adolescent tendency that my child has, because my real goal is to shepherd the heart. I'm shepherding my child's heart, Okay, they're going to be adolescents. They're going to do funky things. They're going to, they're going to, they're adolescents. Okay, uh, I am instead trying to shepherd the heart. I'm trying to lead them where they need to go. I'm trying to take that wild heart, that disobedient heart, and I'm trying to point it to the scripture. I'm trying to point it to the gospel. Okay, which means this: that parenting must become more purposeful and less preferential. Okay. This is going to help you weigh what's worth dealing with and what's not, okay? Your parenting needs to become more purposeful and less preferential, okay? Here's what I mean. If your son makes fart noises, okay, your son's going to probably make fart noises, okay? Uh, you can rest assured that most likely your young son will not be doing that at 30 years old in the boardroom with his boss, okay, Right? We understand, because that is an an adolescent tendency. And I'm going to understand that he's going to grow out of that, right? I mean, he better be growing out of making fart noises with his boss, okay? We just understand that's probably going to happen, okay? Uh, If your young child is lying to you or stealing, okay, that is a heart problem. You see, that is, a, that is one of those things where I'm going to be purposeful to point out to my child that if I can just flip over to Exodus 20 and I'm going to read down a list of things that God disapproves of and brings wrath upon people, I understand that both of those are in that particular list. Then I flip over to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 where I get to the Sermon on the Mount and I say, child, look, it didn't just end in the Old Testament. It keeps going, okay? And God desires... God says no one will be in his presence who are liars and thieves. And there's a lie. It also says disobedient children won't be in there either. You can use that one from last week, okay? Uh, It's imperative for me that as a parent, I'm shepherding the heart. And I understand that there are heart problems and there are adolescent proclivities that they're going to grow out of. That's for you to say, okay, what is uh, a tendency of just being a child? And then what is a heart problem and a sin? And you need to address them appropriately. This is going to help your children uh, not be, uh, the word here is discouraged. You're going to take the wind out of your cell every single time they just do something that adolescents do. uh, And every time you just want to go over there and just discipline, discipline, discipline. Then they're not going to know the difference between here's what mommy and daddy doesn't like, and then here's what God doesn't like. You hear what I'm saying here? You have to know how to discipline your children in what realms so that when they lie or they steal or uh, they're, they're angry with someone or they're unforgiving, they understand that right there is biblical commands. That is the will of God that all people would submit themselves under that moral law of God. And the reason we can't fulfill that is why Jesus had to come. That is, it would be much easier for a child when they also don't try to add fart noises into that area, okay? It's funny, but it's not funny when we don't help our children understand the difference, okay? So help our children by shepherding their heart, not trying to control all their adolescent tendencies. I also want to do this. I need to make my home a God-centered home and not a child-centered home. My home needs to be a God-centered home, not a child-centered home. And here's why. Okay? Uh, God is creator of the universe. right? God, everything is his. Okay? So your child is, gonna, is, in, is already, regardless if you like it or not, have, have entered into a God-centered universe. Right? The moment that your child is conceived, welcome to a God-centered universe. This whole universe is about him. Well, it's best that we teach them that uh, as they're growing up in our home. Opposed to when every single thing in my home is about this child. They come first. They're, they're the most important thing in the family. They're the most important thing in this world. Uh, and then they cease to ever understand, or they never understand, that this is not a child-centered world. This world isn't about you. It's about God. 
And we have to make sure, just as we've learned over the last three weeks, that our home has godly patterns for the family. God has given us godly patterns for the family. If you haven't joined us over the last three weeks, uh, three weeks ago, we talked about husbands and wives. There's a pattern there. Uh, Last week, we talked about the need for children to uh, obey their parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Uh, And this week, we're learning about the need for parents to discipline their children rightly. So even just at that, and I can go to a lot of different scriptures, we can look already that there's a pattern in the family, and it's God first, spouse second, children third. Okay, And unfortunately, how many times do we see in our homes that God is not first, our spouse is not second, and our child is always first? And I know we can, and I know, and I'm not just beating on you, okay? We want to see good godly patterns, okay? Uh, I get it. You can make all the excuses in the world. Well, my kid needs me. Well, my, I just, I got to do, I'm not telling you not to meet the needs of your children here. I'm telling you to show your children uh, the way that God sees things, okay? And your marriage is essential to display the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We already talked about that, didn't we? Okay, and so we got to make sure the children see the gospel playing out in your marriage. Okay, if they're going to understand who this loving God is, who's just and perfect and holy and wants to see them saved, they're going to have to see it in the marriage. All right, and we understand that God is first. That's literally what the whole book of Colossians is about the supremacy of Christ, who is authoritative over all things, who upholds the universe by the very word of his power. And so we understand God is first, my spouse is second, and my child is third. See, that helps to put them in a really good biblical perspective as they then grow up, doesn't it? Because now they understand, even when they're in your home, I'm not even first in my home, much less in this universe. This world ain't about me. Mommy and Daddy taught me about that a long time ago. And they told me that this world wasn't even about them. It was about God. You see what I'm saying here? And we're doing something when we tame the hearts of our rebellious children. We're not just trying to to, to snuff out their fire. We're trying to point them somewhere. But if I'm going to point them somewhere, I can't make my home about them. i got to make it about God. And again, please understand, you commit to be a loving, kind, caring parent. If you're not, you're not, giving the kind of, you're not being the parent that God's called you to be, right? Uh, it means I'm going to take care of all the things that my child needs, but my child is not going to set the agenda. Okay? The child isn't going to set the agenda in my home, just like I don't set God's agenda, and neither do you. If that's news to you, welcome church, okay? Uh, You don't set the agenda when it comes to God. God's had the agenda set before the foundations of the world. You get to rebel against them or walk in them, right? And that's a good family dynamic, isn't it? My child comes into our home. My child will will walk in the foundations we have set or they will rebel against it, just like we do when it comes to God's will. It's important for us to teach our children biblical dynamics in our home so it points them to the truths that we find in Scripture, I know, probably none of you in here disagreed with that, probably, okay? Uh, You understand that you need to tame your child's heart. You understand that your child may have a a rebellious heart that needs to be positioned to Christ. But the question is, okay, how do we do it? How am I going to tame my child's heart? Well, I'm glad you asked. Flip to Psalm 23. Flip all over Psalm 23. You know this one. You know this verse. Uh, Psalm 23. Because I want to, we talked about the need for godly discipline, but we want to look at the patterns for parental discipline. Godly patterns for parental discipline. Because we want to know, how do I tame my child's heart biblically? How do I do it biblically? How do I uh, turn them away from the rebellion, not even in my home, but against God, that I turn them to the truths of God and help guide them into uh, the knowledge and understanding that would prayerfully, hopefully lead them to salvation? Well, here's how you're going to do it. Psalm 23, but go to verse 4. We're just going to focus on verse 4. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, I need you to understand the context of this situation. Um, is, is this idea that this person that we're talking about, right, King David, has already been trained right, in uh, the knowledge of the Lord, right? Can we all agree with that? He already knows the Lord, okay? He already, even though he's a sinful person, all of us are, right? Uh, even though I would not tell my child to grow up and be like King David because he was just full of all the problems in the universe, and I'd, I'd hope my child is doing a little better than that. Uh, we understand that he did. He was a man after God's own heart. We understand that that he wanted to do the Lord's will. Okay, you got to understand that because the context of this is a person after they have been trained up in the knowledge of the Lord. This is a person as they're walking through the worst places in life after they've been trained. 
opposed to people who are walking through these same issues, because you're going to, who aren't trained in the Lord. Okay? I want to show you what happens when someone is trained in the Lord through their home and how it works out for them. Even though I walk as everybody in the world's going to through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil. Well, that's pretty bold. Why not? For you are with me. This is God. For God is with me. And here's, here's how I know this. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay? This scripture is talking about a shepherd leading a sheep. Okay? And we understand, uh, you don't have to understand uh, agrarian culture, you don't have to understand first century, uh, uh, or even before that, right? Uh, Ancient, uh, you know, psalm writing, to understand this, that a shepherd's job was to successfully get a flock from point A to point B with no harm and get them where they need to go. There was a place they needed to go, and it was better than where they were at, and you need to help them get them there. Okay, And we understand, we're not taking a big leap here, as parents, that's exactly what we're doing with our kiddos, right? We want to get them to a better place, right? We want to get them from their sinful disposition, separated from a holy God, and we want to direct them to the presence of God where they would turn away from their sins, they would trust in him and see their need for him and go after him, right? We understand that is our job. We're shepherds. We're just shepherding our kiddos, okay? And we see here that there are three things that a shepherd uses to lead the flock from point A to point B. Three things, okay? And we need to use this in our home, okay? The first one is a staff, okay? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we understand something about a staff, right? A staff is very long. You little Bo Peep, that's the thing, okay? Uh, <laughs> I know, it's, I know, it is what it is. All right, it's uh, very long, got a hook on the end of it. That uh, staff was used for a plethora of reasons, but primarily it was to rescue and direct, okay? Uh, When you have sheep going this way, it's so long, it's an extension of your arm, you use it and you kind of get them back going the right direction. We do that with kiddos sometimes, Mm -hmm, yep. All right, then uh, these sheep get in trouble. Okay? They get in briars way too deep. They get put in a hole. And you got this nice little hook along this long staff, and you reach in there, and you grab them around the neck, and you pull them out. Okay, that's called safety and protection. Okay, and so that we already see that a shepherd's job is to direct and protect. We do that with our kids, right? Direct them and protect them. We need that tool. We need to make sure in our lives that we are directing our children and protecting our children. Okay. Uh, that's the first tool. But there's another tool here, much more uncomfortable tool, but very necessary. It's called a rod, or in Hebrew, you uh, may know this word as a shebet, okay? A rod in Old Testament is a lot of different things. As a matter of fact, a rod, I mean, you look it up in the Old Testament, it can be, it's a whole lot of different usages of rod. A rod was a sign of authority, of power. It was also a, used for a weapon, and specifically, as the shepherds are uh, taking care of their flock, they have their staff, and they also have their rod, a lot shorter, narrow on one end, uh, is rounded at the other end, okay? And this rod was used for a couple of different reasons. One, to protect when there were uh, lions or bears or, or other things coming in to attack these sheep, they would go, and this would be their weapon. But that ain't all that thing was used for, okay? You see some wayward sheep, you know what you use that thing for? All right, right? You, you, that's what they used it for. And every sheep knew that. And every person knows that when you look at that, oh, that rod was not just for fending off mean old things. It was also to discipline me. And I want you to look back, because this is really important, because he says, I'm going to fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. I want you to see the point here. At least these two tools, we got one more tool, but those two tools, uh, although he knew that they were for a lot of different things, included in those list of things that these things were for, the rod and the staff, discipline was one of them. And he said, that discipline in this picture comforted me. The way that you disciplined me, the way that you have led me and directed me and corrected me allows me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm not going to fear any evil. Because you have directed me, you've led me, and you've corrected me to walk through this situation. All right, can we put together the parental the principles here? Okay, that's what we have to do. Now, you may try to do all that on your own. Now, you're right, Pastor Hayden. I don't need, I didn't do all that. I don't need the Lord. Okay, yes, you do. All right. Uh, the third thing you need is wisdom. 
Okay, the third tool is wisdom. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Not you, mom, not you, dad. That's not why your children have no fear of the evil. It's because God is with them. And so your correction, your direction, your protection is always to lead them to God and to God's wisdom and to as God has saved you, places his spirit in you, undergird you, leads you in wisdom through his spirit. He then takes what you have done in this child's life through raising them according to biblical godly principles. And then he uses the spirit that he has put inside them to train them in righteousness, to lead them forth. And so therefore, when they walk through their life and they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, they're not going to fear no evil. Because mom and dad taught me about the Lord. They did what God taught them to do. They led me, they directed me, they protected me, and they disciplined me and showed me the way that leads to life. So therefore, I don't fear. So we have the staff, we have the rod, and we have wisdom, and you got to have all of them in your home. If you have a staff and no rod, you're not, you're not going to have a, the godly outcome you want in the child's life. If you have a rod and no staff, you definitely aren't. In this society, you're not going to make it very far before you get arrested, okay? All right? But if you try to do all those things on your own because you try to do everything you can, but without the power of God, it's not going to work. You need all three if you want to train your child up to come to know God. And really, I just put it this way. If we're going to lead well in the realm of discipline, then we must, point number two, discipline for the purpose of discipleship. You need to discipline for the purpose of discipleship. Again, this shades a little bit of your uh, philosophy of discipline, I'll call it. Your philosophy of discipline is no longer, I'm trying to discipline my child for whatever I see fit, and now I'm trying to discipline my child in, so that I can disciple them, so I can show them the truths of Scripture, so that I can bring them under the teachings of God's Word and help them understand something from Scripture. That's what it means to disciple. To disciple is the, comes from the Greek word matheteo, to teach, to instruct. And so just as we are disciples of Christ, our goal for our children uh, is to help them along the road of discipleship, to make them wise into salvation. And when it comes to discipline, I'm going to discipline for the purpose of discipleship. I'm going to discipline them for the purpose of helping them fall under the authority and leadership of Christ. And you may ask, well, and we talked about this in our, uh, our uh, Compass Equip podcast. So if you want to know more content on this, go to your Compass Equip podcast, releases every Sunday night. Look up Compass Equip podcast on your podcast platform, and this will pop up. <laughs> that commercial is over. All right, back. Uh, discipline for the purpose of discipleship. What was I even going to say at this point? Discipline for the purpose of discipleship. Where was I going? All right. Discipline for the purpose of discipleship. What I got to do in my life. Oh, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do this at the nine. That's why I, here we are. Okay. Uh, you, you say, well, my child's not a Christian. Well, so they can't be a disciple. They're not a Christian. Every single discipleship process that has ever happened in the history of the world happened before everyone became a Christian. You can't become a Christian if you don't know the precepts of Scripture and the commandments of God. All right. You became a Christian after you understand your need to turn from your sins and trust in Christ. How did you learn that? You took part in the discipleship process. So we, even if you're, you say, my kid's not a Christian, great, doesn't matter. Okay, they're still on the, the road to discipleship. They might not be a disciple right, until they turn from their sins and trust in Christ, but they've been on that pathway before. So that's no excuse here. You need to understand that everyone uh, needs to be on the road to discipleship, even if they haven't responded to the gospel. And so just get that out of your mind, okay? Just like I did, because I couldn't remember. <laughs> All right. Discipline for the purpose of discipleship. There's a parallel passage from Colossians 21, and it's found in Ephesians 4. No, Ephesians 6, verse 4. Ephesians 6, verse 4. It's a parallel passage, which means uh, it's another verse in Scripture that's basically saying the same thing, but it adds a little bit of uh, information that would be good for you and I as parents as we're learning to discipline. It's Ephesians 6, 4. It says this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, right? So now you understand that your discipline is for a purpose. Just like we, so we now discipline for the purpose of discipleship. We see it in Ephesians 6, 4, that I'm going to discipline my child uh, in a way that brings them up in the instruction of the Lord. So you see what I'm saying? Your discipline isn't wild west, guns swinging, do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, right? But it's also not... 
I don't discipline our children. We are a non-disciplinarian household. It's like you live in a very disciplinarian universe, okay, who a God was going to discipline uh, the unrighteous, right? And the God is going to bring in those who have Christ's righteousness imputed on them. We live in a disciplinarian universe, and we can hide it in a cultural facade or, or whatever you want, but it's there. I mean, you, you need to help your children uncover it. So when society tells them there is no disciplinarian discipline necessary, we open up Scripture and say, we live in a universe of discipline. And so we need to help our children understand that. And uh, that's why you, you don't need to provoke your child to anger. It's not the Wild West here. You're not taking the wind out of their cells. You're trying to spur them on to, to follow after the Lord. And if we're going to do that, we need to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. So discipline for the purpose of discipleship. Two Proverbs, don't flip, don't flip. You may be able to jot them down if you can. Proverbs 13, 24. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son. There's the rod, right? The Shabbat, right? Whoever spares that part of the upbringing of this child hates his son. Mm. He, you hate your children if you won't do this. But he who loves him, listen to this, is diligent to discipline him. Did you see that the, the diligent, I'm diligent. If you love your child, you're diligent to discipline them. And I know if you're a child in here, you're like, stop talking now, okay? But... But we're all God's children. We're going to get to that in a minute. We're all going to be under the discipline of God. And finally, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart. There's two people. Okay, well, the rest of us, memorize Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Isn't that what we want? Right? We just hope that our children, when they leave that home, uh, they're just going to remember the things that they were taught. Well, if you give them that 66 books that we call the Bible and you give it to them you, all their life and you make sure they have it on the way out, they're going to have a much better way to understand what they have been taught their whole life if you've been teaching it them their whole life, right? Uh, I, know, I know I've had parents meet. I've been in ministry for nine years. And uh, I always have parents, can we get my kid a Bible for their graduation? I'm like, their 12th grade graduation or their kindergarten graduation? <laughs> And they're like, no, they're about to graduate. They're about to go off to college. I'm like, that kid don't have no Bible, and they're going to college? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you need to train up a child in the way that he should go. You don't wait until they become adults and tell them to go figure it out. We got to do it now, all right? Woo, all right. We need to make sure that we're diligent in the discipleship and the discipline of our children. All right, and you're like, okay, how do I not get overboard with this whole discipline thing? Because I can't do that. Great. Ask yourself three questions. Ask yourself three questions when it comes to discipline. Question one, what am I trying to teach my child about God through discipline? What am I trying to teach my child about God through this discipline? Right, that helps you shade, right? Is this, like, is this something that I'm just mad at that actually has no bearing on uh, dis discipleship? Or is this... Again, like we were talking about before in the fart noises and the heart problems, okay, uh, is am I, what am I trying to teach my child about God through this? If I can't figure out what I'm trying to teach them through, you might need to figure out if this discipline is necessary or if you don't even understand what you're doing in the discipline. We need to understand what am I trying to teach my child about God through discipline. And it's going to help you understand God's Word because you'll learn that God's Word has a lot of uh, admonitions and a lot of instruction when it comes to discipline. A lot of reasons to discipline, but there are other reasons not to. Uh, and we need to understand that we can't just discipline. Even if we're right in disciplining our child, it would be helpful to tell them and show them why God's word says that it isn't right and what direction you need to go. You need to not only discipline, but be, equip yourself to discipline. Equip yourself to be able to discipline your children. Okay, question number two. Is my discipleship out of terse anger or measured discipleship? Right? I mean, I'm going to discipline my child because I'm mad and I'm angry. Or am I saying, okay, for the cause of discipleship, I've got to discipline my child. I have got to teach them something true about God in the midst of this so they can be made wise unto salvation as they grow up. That's good, right? That's big, that's big stuff. And maybe and you say, well, it's both. <laughs> like, great. Take a time out. All right, you go, you breathe a little bit. And you may say, well, if I, if I don't do it quick enough, my child's going to forget all about it. Your child ain't forgetting about that, okay? Like, it, it, you need to be able to, or maybe hand off to, to mom or dad. Do the discipline, but you can't be doing it just because you're angry and mad. And if you're angry and mad, leave for a minute. All right? But I'm going to, I'll argue the point. Qu quit being angry, right? Be slow to anger. 
Learn how to discipline your children, and you also be a disciple of Christ by not just getting angry all the time. Learn that, that the way that you can control yourself and have self-control is going to do a lot to show your kids how they ought to be acting. And it ain't just because you're disciplining. It's also how you live. Right? You heard the adage, more is caught than taught. Right? They're going to look at you, and we'll get to that in a minute. We'll just get to that in a minute. All right. Point, uh, question number three. Am I trying to bend my child to my preferences or God's will? This is, again, so important for us as Christians because we're always trying to, in, yeah, in a sense, bend our children to the will of God. And it is going to be some bending, some bending, some moving. Like It's not always going to be easy, but that's the goal. We're trying to bend them to the will of God. And so I'm going to try my best to get out of the way. Even as a parent, get out of the way because my way should be God's way, right? God's way, I'm doing uh, God's will. I want to submit myself to God's will. Then you're going to notice that everything you're trying to do is God's will, but you need to also be looking at your own life, uh, be uh, transparent with yourself, and ask yourself the question, am I, trying, am I trying to get my will across here or God's will across? So you ask yourself those three questions, uh, and I am pretty confident that you're going to be able to discipline for the purpose of discipleship in your home. I know it may go without saying, but I can't go without saying. Uh, I'm not disciplining my child so that they can become the next sports star or CEO or if I can get them to be the next valedictorian uh, if I, or the, the next scholar or I can get them into Juilliard. Like, this is not why I'm, I'm discipling my child. I'm discipling my child so they'll become a disciple of Christ. I'm disciplining my child so they'll become a disciple of Christ. Great. Some of those things may happen in the middle. Great, if they do. But far be it for me that if my child becomes the next president of the universe and they never turn from their sins and trust in Christ, what a failure. That my child stored up all the riches here on earth and stored none in heaven. Far be it for me that I try to get my child to do, to do the things that I didn't get to do. You know, I almost made it, but I didn't. But my son, he's going to make it. I want to make sure he makes it. Yeah, to heaven, to eternity with God, not, not to the college that I didn't get into that they're going to, to God. Like, that's why we discipline for the purpose of discipleship. Right? It helps you. It changes your priorities from your own will to God's will. We know, we know, I hope we've learned, at least at this point, the Bible informs our, understand, our understanding of discipline. But it doesn't just inform our understanding of discipline for our children. It informs our understanding of discipline for us as God's children. All right? We've got one big, one big scripture I want you to point to right now. Flip open your Bible or your phone or your laptop or whatever you have. You need to go to this verse. Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews 12. Everybody. I want everybody there. Everybody. Did you know that God disciplines his children? Did you know that? Did you not, not, not only that does God discipline his children, God prioritizes discipline for his children. Did you hear that? Prioritizes. Prioritize. You don't want to hear that. I know you don't. No one, yeah, I know. You don't, but you're going to hear it. Okay? God prioritizes discipline in the life of his children. And I'll show you. Hebrews 12, 5 through 13. Just follow along. I'll take you through it. It says this, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? There's a proverb here that everyone knows in uh, who's getting this. It's the book of Hebrews. You've got these Jewish people who are very acquainted with the, with the proverb that Paul is about to espound on right here, espouse on. He says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Again, he's saying, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. So another thing, you, you can't look at the discipline of the Lord and not consider it, okay? Or like so many of us do, we don't even have a category in our lives and in our minds for the discipline of the Lord. Do you understand what I mean by that? When something happens that is truly the discipline of the Lord, you like look around and say, what was that? You know, or like, you know, or you always blame it on some outside force or some third party. So-and-so did that to me, and it was just the, you know, or it's always someone else's fault, and I didn't do any of this. And, like, you understand that we can't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, which means you need to have a category for it. So that when the discipline of the Lord comes, you, you can look and you can say, oh, this had nothing to do with so-and-so. This had nothing to do with that thing. This had to do with the discipline of the Lord. You need to be able to categorize it so when it happens, you won't take it lightly and you'll understand this situation is a discipline of the Lord. 
Nothing that anybody else did, I did this, and now I am being disciplined. As I would hopefully discipline my children for discipleship, God in this moment is disciplining me for discipleship. And I'm not going to become weary. I'm not going to say, woe is me, you know, like your kids do when you discipline them. All right? You can't even be weary when reproved by him. And here's why. Verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Anybody need to take a minute here? Take a minute. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. You, you want to be loved by God? You want to be a child of God? You're going to be disciplined by God. That is, that is yeah, we're going to keep going. But that, man, the, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And listen to this. He chastises every son whom he receives. If he receives you, he's going to chastise you, and he's going to discipline you. That's how you, that's how me, in my own life, how I know I'm a child of God. You want to know something that's affirmed my faith more than anything? receiving the discipline of the Lord. Nothing has affirmed my faith more than when God comes in my life, disciplines me, and I'm like, I know you're there. You're there. Right? That's how you will know. That's why you have to have a category for God's discipline in your life because you're like, well, God's never you know, been in my life. Well, maybe, and you, but you say, my life is going terrible, but I never see God. Well, maybe God's been disciplining you for the last three years, and you just think yeah, you have no idea what's going on. Uh, the point is, categorize it so you know discipline of the Lord's coming, and it often comes, or always comes when you're in sin, you've not turned from your sin, and you're doing something that doesn't please the Lord. Same thing that happens with your kiddos. That's why I'm saying everything we've talked about here, apply it to your life now, okay? Because that's when the discipline of the Lord comes, and it's for discipleship. So he disciplines the ones he loves. If he's going to receive you, he's going to chastise you. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have come to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. This is why I can truly say, unapologetically say, that if you do not receive the discipline of the Lord, you are not a child of the Lord. You are, there is no child of God in the world that is not disciplined by God. It, it says right. It literally says that you are illegitimate children and not sons. There is no child of the Lord that doesn't receive the discipline of God. So that's why for you, you need a category for this because it is in, it, it is in the contract of your faith to have the discipline of God in your life. Besides this, verse 9, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best for them. But he, listen to this, disciplines us for our good. Why don't you underline that real quick, okay? He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. There it is. He does it for our good, and he does it to make us holy. God disciplines us to move us in sanctification, to conform us to his image. You're where you're at. You're stained with sin. God has imputed his righteousness on you, so you've been justified through Christ. And now he is trying to move you toward in sanctification, towards holiness to God. And so your discipline is for your good, and it's to make you holy. Verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, okay? You uh, ever took a sucker away from your child for discipline? You know, this is an example. You ever done something to your child as discipline, and you took it away, or you, or, you, know, you gave them the rod, or, or whatever you did, and uh, immediately they just started screaming and crying and saying, this is the worst thing I've ever been a part of in my life? And in the background, you said, this is for your good. Anyone? No? No one? Okay, good. All right, we've all done that, all right? Okay, uh, don't think it stops at your children. Okay, I can't, I can't tell you how many times in my life, and I know in your life, when God disciplines you, you throw up your arms, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I can't believe this. It's not going to be good. And God says, uh, I'm disciplining for your good. I know this isn't going to seem pleasant right now. It's going to be painful, but it's better this way because what it's going to do, it's going to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so God knows what's best for you is that he disciplines you, that he trains you in righteousness and holiness uh, so that as you've been trained by it, you are bearing the fruit that God has called all Christians to bear. And so for you, uh, sometimes when you look and, well, this is just the worst thing that's ever happened to me. You need to ask, am I being disciplined by the Lord right now? Because maybe there's some discipline that God's trying to get you to receive that you need to receive and respond to appropriately just like we hope our children do. You ever hate, you hate it when you, you discipline your children and they don't learn their lesson? Oh, okay, I'm just going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> All right. Therefore, verse 12, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Now, this is another thing, all right? When you discipline your child, you know the best thing for them to do? All right, 
now we can move on. You ever, you ever had children that just droop around for the next 10 days? <laughs> like, well, you whipped me a week ago, and <laughs> you took my sucker away. Uh, how many of us, like, when, when, when God disciplines us, that we just spend the next just weeks just, mm, he did it. <laughs> All right. He, he, and it is, it's fun, it is that funny, because if you categorize God's discipline, you're much quicker to recognize it and to do this. To quit having, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Accept the discipline of the Lord and let's go, right? We got work to do, right? We got a mission to go on. We got to make disciples. And you're not going to be doing that drooping uh, and having weak knees. But you're also not going to do that living in sin and not being fruitful for the Lord. So he's like, I'm going to discipline you so you can, we can get through this. We can make you more holy. And then we're going to go and then we're going to do some ministry. And we're going to reach people, all right? Uh, and in verse 13, finally, and making straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. The goal in God's discipline is that all the lameness in your life is corrected and straightened up and healed and not caused to fester and to wound you and to make you lame for the rest of your life. Okay. And so much of this is so true in our lives that the good news is, okay, you got lame stuff. Great. You got things that are, that are broken. God's going to discipline you and he's going to fix it. Go. But quit sitting in that discipline and, and like saying, oh, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. Because what's going to happen is all those things that are wrong with you are going to be the same things that make you lame and out of joint for the rest of your life. God's fixing them. You're the one that needs to accept it and walk because he doesn't want these things to be out of joint. He wants them rather to be healed. Okay, so... Don't sit in your wounds. Don't sit in the injury. Take the discipline of God and walk and move forward. Obviously, we understand that the purpose of godly discipline is not just for our children, but it's for us as adults. We all need to accept uh, and uh, understand God's discipline. Because God's discipline, like we've said before, produces holiness, the fruits of righteousness, and it's for our good. And so this is point number three, and you need to make sure that you do this or don't do this, is you need to not shirk God's discipline. Don't shirk God's discipline. That word shirk is like try to evade or maneuver or wiggle out of, okay? Uh, my stepdad gave me swats when I, was, uh, when I was disobedient, and I was disobedient a lot as a child, okay? Uh, and my dad would give me swats, and uh, he would tell me, okay, I'm going to give you three swats, and if I shirked on one of them or tried to wiggle out of the way, guess what? That one didn't count, okay? And so I understood that I couldn't shirk the discipline of my, my dad because if I did, it didn't count, okay? And all I'm telling you is don't shirk God's discipline. Make it count. Make God's discipline count in your life so that you can move on and grow in holiness. So some of you are like, I've been stagnant for 20 years in my faith. Well, how much has God been disciplining you? You've been just trying to shirk it. You know? You're just trying to you know, get out of life without doing anything. Take the discipline of God. Don't waste it. Use it. Walk in it. See what God wants you to, to learn, which is what we're going to get to, and just take it. Understand that it's for a purpose. It's to, it's to help you. It's for your good. Revelation 3.19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. I love you, I reprove you. If I love you, I'm going to discipline you. So I need you to respond. I need you to be zealous, which means zealous means I'm, I'm all for it, I'm on board, I'm going to turn, I'm going to repent. So you ask, how can you make the best out of God's discipline? Three ways. One, be eager to repent. Can you just admit Admit you're wrong, admit you're in sin, admit there's something you need to turn from, and be eager to turn from it. You want to get out of God's discipline? Be eager to repent from it. Number two, ask yourself, what is God teaching me through this discipline? That's part of not wasting it. If God's taking the time to discipline you, it's worth you to take a break, whatever you're doing, take a sit and think, what is God trying to teach me here? It's better I learn it the first time and not the second, third, or fourth time. So let me understand, what am I being taught by God? And thirdly, finally, is follow biblical patterns going forward. Right, this is where some work comes in. Find a Bible teaching church who's teaching you the Bible every week. Make sure that you're reading the Bible every day. You want to follow godly patterns uh, moving forward? You've got to understand God's patterns moving forward, and you're going to understand those by opening up His Word. Okay? Uh, and I love this because God is so gracious and awesome. Uh, and he's going to teach us uh, 
and eventually he's going to just drive it in so much. He's going to say, can you open my word and just read it? It tells you right there, page 28, okay? Uh, we need to open up God's word and follow those biblical patterns going forward. All right, last verse as we close, Deuteronomy 8, 5. Right? We understand that our, our job is to nurture souls and tame hearts. We understand from Deuteronomy 8, 5, you need to know this in your own heart. That as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. You need to bookmark that. You need to highlight it. Because the truth of the matter is you got to know in your heart that just as someone should discipline their children for discipleship purposes, God the Father is going to discipline you for discipleship purposes. Let's pray. God, we recognize that none of us are without sin. And so it is quite an interesting situation to uh, discipline sinners when we ourselves are sinners. Um, But God, what a a picture that we ought to uh, help our children understand that even in the discipline that we uh, give to our children, that we ourselves are under God's own discipline. And God, how such a great picture of our ability to be able to teach our children these things so that they could be made wise into salvation. God, that we can teach and admonish our children and instruct them in the Lord. God, and do so much good in our homes. God, as you flip our homes, uh, as you make them God-centered and not man-centered, God, help us be those kind of parents. Even if we're kiddos in here, help us be those kind of kids that do obey their parents in all things because this pleases you, God. But God, all of us who we are all your children and we are all under your discipline, God, help us learn from your discipline. Help us accept your discipline and be eager to walk in the holiness that you you are walking us in, that you are moving us in. And God, we know that as you produce uh, those good fruits of righteousness in our lives, God, it would show a world their own need for the gospel, not just our kids, but the whole world. So help us live that out this week, today, this very moment, and for the rest of our lives. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.